0: with John Wall and C.J. Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yeah, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve All right, welcome to Hoops Tonight presented by FanDuel here at The Volume. Happy Wednesday, everybody. I hope all of you guys are having an incredible week so far. We have a jam-packed show tonight. The Phoenix Suns beat the crap out of the Warriors despite Steph Curry hanging a 50-piece on them. We're going to break down that game, all the angles at play. We're going to talk a little bit about that very bizarre interview that mr kevin durant gave where he burned his own starting lineup to the ground in a very interesting move but just the inevitable progression of this wild saga that's taking place in brooklyn and then we're going to break down four additional games from tonight rapid fire style the celtics and the hawks the calves and the bucks the heat and the raptors and then Shea Gilgis Alexander went ahead and, and, and tried to make me look good after I sung his praises for a solid 10 minutes yesterday uh, by going out and dropping 42 and a game winner in Washington to beat the Wizards. You guys know the drill. Before we get started, subscribe to the Volumes YouTube channel so you don't miss any more of our videos. Follow me on Twitter at underscore JasonLT so you guys don't miss any show announcements. And then last but not least, if for whatever reason you guys miss one of these shows and you can't get back over to YouTube to finish, you can find them wherever you get your podcasts under hoops tonight. So the Suns, they had lost two in a row coming into tonight, three out of four. They were down two starters. Cam Johnson tore his meniscus, so he's been out. Chris Paul has been dealing with some heel stuff. And then, I mean, obviously Jay Crowder's been out all season, but when you kind of put all that together, you think like, oh, maybe there's a depth issue there. but this continues to be, in a very underrated way, one of the most talented rosters in the league because Damian Lee just kind of slotted right into one of those wing spots after Jay Crowder's been gone, and he's been fantastic. He was fantastic again tonight. You know, Chris Paul comes out, and in comes Campaign. You know, Cam Johnson comes out, in comes Torrey Craig, and it's all just seamless. The roster is insanely talented. Torrey Craig played really well tonight rebound in the basketball, knocking down threes on the back end of those Suns pick and rolls. And you know, campaign is kind of like the fastball to Chris Paul's change up. He's one of the quickest players in the league and he gets a ton of dribble penetration, which is another way to get to what the Suns are trying to get to. If you guys think about what the Suns offense is, and we talked about it a lot over the summer when we did our season preview for them, but they are a High pick-and-roll spamming offense. They're going to spam Spain pick-and-roll where they have one of their shooters relocate to the top while Booker or Paul run you know, screen-and-roll with Ayton. Sometimes they do it with a cleared side with just two players. Sometimes they do it as a dribble handoff. Sometimes they do it as a wide screen with a passer at the top of the key. They do it a bunch of different ways, but it's all functionally the same concept. It's a ball handler trying to get downhill while DeAndre Ayton is rolling to the rim after setting a screen. And they'll sometimes they have a shooter relocating, other times they're just spacing the floor, but they're trying to make you make a decision. And that decision is, are you going to guard it 2 on 2 in the case of their normal pick and roll or 3 on 3 in the case of their Spain pick and roll, or are you going to send additional help? And if you guard it 2 on 2, you turn them into shot makers, right? And you're going to force DeAndre Ayton to beat switches or to finish lobs around the rim, or you're going to force Devin Booker or Chris Paul to make tough contested twos, or you can send additional defenders and then you're giving advantage situations to really good players on the back end and on their best night, that's Mikael Bridges or that's Cam Johnson, right? And those guys are incredible. But with Cam Johnson out, it's like Torrey Craig stepped right in and did the exact same thing. Mikael Bridges made five more threes tonight and looked fantastic. He's one of the underrated closeout attackers in the league. It's not just spot-up shooting. It's high-level closeout attacking. He can make multiple counter moves on his way to the basket to knock down tougher shots, you know, kind of uh, that are in the margins of the of the offense. But, you know, the, the, in this entire game – Uh, They just stuck to what they were good at. It was just campaign and Devin Booker operating at a high pick and roll, making passes, not forcing shots. I don't think either of them took over 20 shots in this game. And, you know, uh, one of the most underrated parts of Devin Booker's development has been what he's done as a passer in this league. You know, Devin Booker... Is being considered by a lot of players, a lot of people as a top 10 player in the league right now. He's unquestionably been one of the top 10 players to start this season, but it's not because he's Devin Booker making Kobe shots. It's because of the improvements he's made as a passer and as a defender. And in this game, Campaign and Devin Booker both did an incredible job of of just making those reads as Golden State was sending multiple defenders towards that pick and roll. They both had 16 assists, or they combined for 16 assists in this game. So the point being, as we're talking about this Phoenix Suns offense, if you do not bring your best defensive effort, you'll get cut to pieces. And the Suns absolutely cut them to pieces tonight. A really nice win for Phoenix with how how short-handed they are. Now, let's move on to the Warriors. The Warriors have a lot of issues. Um, when you're six and nine, when you're three games below 500 as the defending champion, it's not, and all your guys are healthy. Like, this isn't, you know, Steph has missed a bunch of games or Draymond's missed a bunch of games. When you're healthy and you're three games below 500 as the defending champions, a bunch of stuff has to go wrong. It's like I was talking about with the Lakers last year. Everyone's like, oh, it's Russ's fault, or oh, it's Frank Vogel's fault, or oh, it's Anthony Davis's. No, 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 no. When you have LeBron James and Anthony Davis on your roster and you're losing a bunch of games, it means everything is going wrong. And there are definitely a lot of issues with the Warriors right now. We've talked a lot about their bench and the issues that they're having. Jordan Poole can't seem to put a string of more than a couple of games where he plays well together in a row. Klay Thompson hasn't been making shots. And and we're going to talk about Klay Thompson here in a little bit. But the bottom line is, I don't care about any of that. If Steph scores 50, you should win. That's If Steph scores 50, you should win. That should cover for uh, for Jordan Poole missing some shots. That should cover for Klay Thompson missing some shots. That should cover for your bench blowing a lead here or there, right? But it wasn't. And it's because one of the bigger issues that's gone kind of under the surface during the season is after the start of the season, when the Golden State starters defended extremely well, that group has not defended well ever since they went on that five-game road trip to the East Coast. They've had a handful of good defensive performances, performances in there, but it has not been consistent. I remember at the start of the season when we were really diving into those bench issues, I'd pull up the lineup data. And the lineup data on the Warrior starters was pretty good. They were scoring around 125 points per 100 possessions. You know, And I'm talking Steph, Clay, Andrew Wiggins, Draymond Green, and Kevon Looney. And then on the defensive end, they were only giving up about 98 points per 100 possessions. And I checked on the numbers earlier. And before tonight, that number's climbed all the way up from 98 to 105. And it's going to be considerably higher tomorrow morning. When that data updates, the starting lineup for the Warriors is not defending the way they used to. And I get it, you know, with that championship malaise, it's one thing to to take a little bit off, you know, in terms of effort when you're trying to get through a season, especially when you know that your eye is on the bigger prize. But the unfortunate reality of the Warriors situation right now is their bench isn't good enough. And the non-STEPH offensive players on this team aren't shooting well enough for them to not defend. That's the one thing they can control. Jordan Poole is a young basketball player. He's going to have stretches where he is inconsistent offensively. Klay Thompson is coming back from two very severe injuries. It's going to be a while before he really gets back consistently into a rhythm. We're going to talk more about Klay here in a minute. But there you can't control that. I, you can't. Will Clay shots into the basket? You can't will Jordan Poole shots into the basket. And right now, you don't have the personnel to be a great bench team. But you absolutely can control Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Andrew Wiggins, Draymond Green, and Kevon Looney playing better defense, and they just haven't. Against that Phoenix Suns team, if your point of attack defenders do a better job fighting over the top of screens so that Booker and Payne aren't getting downhill as easily, you don't have to help as much. If you don't have to help as much, those kickout opportunities aren't as good. The advantage situations for Tory Craig and for Mikhail Bridges aren't as good. They don't have as good of a night, and maybe you give yourself a fighting chance. Look, like, things are going to turn around. I really do think Clay's going to get it together. I really do think Jordan Poole will get it together. I think that they'll figure out a way to piece together a better bench than what they have. But right now, those things are on the horizon still. But you can control your defensive effort, and right now, those the Warrior starters, their core guys, are not defending well enough. And and you know, and it it kind of is just degrading into a, a um, an ugly brand of basketball in some stretches. Like there was a stretch there in that third quarter too, where it felt like they were trying to hit home runs to get back into the game. Instead of understanding that their advantage is, they are the more experienced team. They are the team that can execute. They are the smarter team. Not only were they having defensive issues, but they're in that third quarter, they were taking countless bad transition shots. You know, they get a stop finally and they'd throw one or two passes and jack something up in transition. Some of that was Clay Thompson. But, like, there was, a, there was a quick Andrew Wiggins three on the left wing that he actually made that I thought was a quick shot. There were a couple plays where Steph himself, I thought, forced the action a little bit in transition against one or two defenders and ended up getting blocked because he was trying to force it a little bit. Like, you are the disciplined, experienced team. Get stops. Go down and run your stuff unless you have a wide-open look in transition. They're kind of losing their identity a little bit, so they got to, they got to rein that in. Uh, because it may be a little while before the before the front office decides to do anything. So on Clay Thompson, and I talked about him last night for a little while. Um, you know, I'm not worried about Clay Thompson, nor should you be if you're a Warriors fan. There, uh, he's still being guarded like he's Clay Thompson, meaning functionally in the spacing of the offense and the way he warps the defense. There's a ton of value that comes from that that goes beyond shot result just for Clay himself. So that's that's the first part. Two, he's not shooting as poorly as it looks. Coming into tonight, he was around 31% in catch-and-shoot threes. You could do some basic math and realize that's over nine-tenths of a point for, per, per possession. So even as disastrous as it's been, it's not as bad as it could be, right? And specifically, he's shooting below 30% on wide-open threes. Do you guys think Clay Thompson will eventually start making wide-open threes? I do, okay? Now, Klay hasn't defended as well as he should, Neither has that entire starting unit, so I'm not going to really get on him specifically about that. But we saw him in the postseason last year lock down Jalen Brown in a pivotal playoff moment, down 2-1 in a series to get a trophy. So, in the long run, you need Clay starting games. You need Clay out there. This is not a Clay issue as it pertains to what you do with him. However, what do I always say about shooting slumps? In general, shooting is a total, it, it screws with your head because on your best night, you're going to miss more than half of them. When it comes to jump shooting, or I shouldn't say on your best night, but on average, you're going to miss more than half of them. And on most nights, you'll miss more than half of them. So it can get in your head and you can get squirrely and it can get frustrating. You can lose your confidence. So one of the best ways to get through a slump is not to stop shooting but to hunt out, seek, and search for and work hard for good shots. You know, it's funny because the first couple shots that Clay got in this game were good looks. He got a good little 15-footer right at the free throw line. He had a wide-open corner three that he missed. But then that third one that he took on the left wing, it was like, oh, that's a little tough. That's a little bit contested. They're in that third quarter when he's trying to get going. He took, you know, there was a wide-open three that he took on, uh, I believe it was on a baseline out of bounds. That one he made. Those tough transition threes that he took, those didn't go in. And it's a very delicate balance because his audacity, his freakish confidence, is part of what has made Clay Thompson Clay Thompson over the years. So you don't want to go so far in this direction that you dissuade him from, from having that kind of audacity. But there needs to be a little bit more of a balance. Like I'll give you an example. There was a transition three in that third quarter, they get a stop. Andrew Wiggins is running ahead of Clay. Clay has it on the right wing. I think it was Damian Lee that was playing transition defense, but I'm not 100% sure about that. But whoever that Sun's defender was, kind of positioned himself in between Clay and Andrew. And Clay kind of hesitated and ended up just rising up and shooting the shot. Because he hesitated, he didn't go up with good rhythm. Damian Lee, or whoever it was, was able to get a late contestant. He ended up missing the shot, and it was a really deflating shot. That was when Steph ended up punching the basketball and getting the technical in the next possession. That's one of those plays where it's like, hey, you are in a slump. Just pass it to Andrew. He One of two things is going to happen. That Suns defender is going to stay with you, and Andrew is going to get a wide-open shot in rhythm catching and shooting, or whoever that Suns defender is is going to close out and it's going to come right back to you for a wide-open three on the right wing. That's that kind of play where it's like when you're in the slump, the best way to get out of it is to make the extra pass a couple times, knowing that in the warrior system it's going to get back to you. And then you make a couple of the open ones, and you make it clear to Clay, hey, I want you taking the tough ones after you get your rhythm making some of the easy ones. But right now, he's kind of doing that trying to pound your head through the brick wall kind of thing. And it's just not working for it. Um, there was a little, uh, a clip during the timeout that ESPN aired where Steve Kerr was just saying, Hey, trust your teammates. All of you guys are trying to do this by yourself right now. And for the record, it really was everybody. Like I said, I, I didn't like some of the shots Steph took in the third quarter. I didn't like some of the shots. Andrew Wiggins took in the third quarter. And I didn't like some of the shots. Clay Thompson took in the third quarter. So it's, it's a team wide thing. But specifically for Clay, I think that's the easiest way for him to get back on track. Is targeting some easier shots, get his rhythm going. Dude, like when you're missing your wide open shots, it might have a lot to do with a lack of confidence, which can stem from you missing three or four tough shots in a row. So one last note on Steph Curry before we move on. So obviously I've said several times that he's been playing the best basketball of his career. I think this is the best version of Steph that we've ever seen. Uh, In his unanimous MVP year, he averaged 30 points on 67% true shooting. I haven't seen what the average is after tonight, but I'm pretty sure he's close to 33, 34 points per game. And he was at 69% true shooting coming into tonight. That's probably closer closer to 70% now. Steph is playing as good as any basketball player has ever played. That's the type of peak that we're seeing from him right now. That, that is precisely why I think it's so important for the Warriors to look hard and think hard about investing more in this group rather than staying married to this two-timeline idea. As we've seen throughout NBA history, you just don't win an NBA title unless you got one of those guys. We've gone over this before. Steph won it last year. Giannis won it the year before. LeBron won it the year before that. Kawhi won it the year before that. Steph and KD won it the two years before that. Then it was LeBron. Then it was Steph. You guys get the point. You need one of those guys. Jonathan Kaminga, Moses Moody, James Wiseman, hell, even Jordan Poole, who I don't think the Warriors would ever trade. But those, none of those guys are one of those guys I just listed. None of them are. So the reality of this situation is you don't have two timelines, You've got one super-duper-duper duper, all-time great star timeline, and you've got interesting young player timeline. That, th- those two things are not the same. Don't murder the super-duper star timeline for the sake of the I've got some interesting young players timeline. You're a very smart organization that drafts well, that develops players well, and is extremely well coached. You, you will find other interesting young players those opportunities will come, about, will come around. I haven't even seen necessarily all-star flair from any of those young players yet, except for Jordan Poole. So, d- like, Steph is demonstrating to us all-time stuff here. Last year, he, w- he didn't play nearly this well in the regular season and still put together enough good games to win an NBA championship. This is the best version of Steph ever. It's worth investing in. And I'm sure they'll wait to the deadline. But when it comes to that point, if they're still struggling in the same ways that we've seen, I hope for the sake of Steph and for the sake of NBA history that they invest in that. We are welcoming a new show to iHeart and the DraftKings YouTube channel. It is called Point Game with John Wall and C.J. Toledano. of what really goes on in the league from a player's perspective. So check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yeah, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Does the craziness of everyday life leave you feeling stressed and shedding? Since having kids, have you started to see a little more of your scalp? Are you unhappy with your hairline? When it comes to thinning hair, there are many root causes at play, and Nutrafol addresses them through a multi-targeted, whole-body approach. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist recommended hair growth supplement with over 1 million people seeing thicker, stronger, and faster growing hair with less shedding. Physician formulated with drug-free ingredients, Nutrafol supports healthy hair growth from within by targeting key root causes of thinning, stress, hormones, environment, nutrition, lifestyle, and metabolism through whole body health. Take their hair wellness quiz at Nutrafol.com for a personalized hair health plan based on your specific root causes. With Nutrafol, building a hair growth routine is simple. Purchase online, no prescription or doctor's visits required. Free shipping and automated deliveries ensure you'll never miss a day and you'll see results in three to six months. Take the first step to visibly thicker and healthier hair. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month subscription. And free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com and enter the promo code Hoops, that's H-O-O-P-S. Find out why over 4,500 healthcare professionals and stylists recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrifol.com, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com, promo code Hoops, H-O-O-P-S. That's Nutrifol.com, promo code Hoops. All right, let's move on to this, uh, uh, this Kevin Durant thing. So there were three articles that came out today that I saw Ben Simmons did one for Sham Sharania. Uh KD had two separate ones, one with Marcus Spears and one with Chris Haynes uh, from Yahoo Sports. And th- there's, a, there's a bunch of stuff in there, and we're not going to get to all of it because there's really only one thing I want to talk about. Ben Simmons spent a lot of time explaining his injuries and kind of asking people to understand that he's a competitor and that he's doing the best that he can. I I mean, I I don't I don't even know what to say there. The, with the Ben Simmons thing, it's like I. I have a hard time believing it based on his actions that he genuinely wants to be on the basketball court, but I'm not going to dive any further into that. Um, In the KD stuff, he talked about why he requested a trade because of his frustrations with the lack of hard work at practice and how he wanted to do more closeout drills and more shell drills and stuff like that. He said that Jock Vaughn has them doing that stuff now. He told us about how happy he is, how happy he is playing the game, how happy he is being rich, how happy he is mentoring the younger players. He talked about how he doesn't care about his legacy and that his legacy is being a mentor to guys like Cam Thomas, teaching him how to be a great pro 10 years from now and stuff like that. He said he didn't stand up to Kyrie because he's not about to tell a grown-ass man what he can do and can't do with his own life. But this is where it went completely off the rails, and I'm sure you guys saw these these, uh, quotes going around in social media today. He said, quote, Look at our starting lineup. Edmund Sumner, Royce O'Neal, Joe Harris, Nick Claxton, and me. It's not disrespect, but what are you expecting from that group? You expect us to win because I'm out there. Now, for the record, nothing he said was false on its head. I do believe he's happy. I believe he's happy playing basketball. I believe he's happy in his personal life, and I actually do think he's happy with his legacy. I think LeBron. I think uh, KD kind of has like a, almost like a defeatist attitude on that front, where he just realizes he can't win with the public and he can't win with the media. So I don't. I, I think he's just kind of numb to it all. I disagreed to, with his approach to Kyrie. I think it's okay to ask your friend, "Hey, dude, you're my buddy. We partnered on this together. We agreed to come to Brooklyn together." on a basketball mission and your behavior is sabotaging that. I think it's okay to sit down with Kyrie and be like, what the heck, dude, can you please just come in here and help me do what we promised to do when we embarked down this path originally? I think that's fair, but KD disagrees. And I genuinely believe that he believes he did the right thing. Even with the roster, he's right. Yeah. They're great on paper, but Seth Curry has only played in six of their 15 games Kyrie has only played in eight of their 15 games. Ben Simmons has only played in 10 games and hasn't looked like Ben Simmons. And then TJ Warren is, what, scrimmaging against the coaches right now? God knows how far he is away from playing. So there's some legitimate roster limitations right now because of injuries. The on-paper roster, the Dunder-Mifflin roster, as Zach Lowe calls it, has not panned out. That's for sure. But despite all of that, You can't, under any circumstances, ever publicly diminish your teammates like that. Even if it's true. It undercuts their confidence, which directly affects their performance. It puts them in the awkward position of having to face questioning. There will probably be a reporter that sits down and goes, Hey, what was it like hearing Kevin Durant say that about you? And then it's just a bad look in general. It's, even though I'm sure there are lots of stars around the league that privately complain about their teammates, when you do it in public, it's objectively unlikable and it's going to turn a lot of people off from you. But Katie knows that. He's 100% aware of the ramifications that come with what he said. He knows. He's too smart. And he did it anyway. So what does that mean? That, to me, means that this was effectively, passive-aggressively, a trade request. KD may be very happy in life in general, and he may be happy playing basketball, but he's obviously not happy with his current basketball situation playing with the Brooklyn Nets. And I don't blame him. He's way too damn good to waste prime years of his career playing on a team that doesn't really have a chance. I don't blame him. I feel the same way about LeBron. As a fan of the game, as a fan of NBA history, you should hate that. I hated it when it happened to Steph for a couple years there after the Klay Thompson injury and after KD left. I hated watching him put up massive numbers and floundering on a team that had no chance when he missed the playoffs twice in a row. And I hate seeing it with LeBron now, and I hate seeing it with KD now. I hate it. I do. But this should be the thing that finally convinces Josiah to pull the plug on all of this. I say that, but they should have done it after all the Kyrie stuff this summer. And then they did not They should have done it after the KD trade request. And then they did not They should have done it after KD threw the coach and the GM under the bus. And then they did it. They should have done it after the team came out and didn't defend or rebound for the first eight games of the season, and they didn't. They should have done it when all this Kyrie stuff went down, and then they did it. So conventional wisdom tells us that KD burning the starting lineup to the ground should be the time that they finally do it. But my, I, I just I can't make that prediction anymore. My guess is that what they're looking at it is they're, they're thinking, hey, Kyrie's coming back this Sunday. We got TJ Warren coming back. Ben Simmons is going to get it together. You know, Seth Curry is going to start playing every night when he gets 100 back, 100% back into shape. And then they're all just going to compete with Jacques Vaughn, and, and then they're just going to rip off a bunch of wins, and we're going to go compete for a title. That's my guess as to what they're thinking internally. <laughs> that would be completely insane, obviously. But, uh, like I said, conventional wisdom has to go out the window. There's been a half dozen reasons, significant real reasons to blow this thing up over the course of the last six months, and they just have refused to do so. So I don't know what to make of it, but that's bizarre. I, I, I mean, KD in the last few months has publicly called out the coach, publicly called out the GM, and publicly called out the roster. <laughs> this is the most transparent attempt to get out of a basketball team that I can remember seeing. So for the sake of KD, for the sake of all of us basketball fans, just pull the plug already, Joe. Send KD somewhere to play meaningful basketball. It'll be more fun for us watching him, and then we don't have to worry about all this drama anymore. I think that's what we all want, and I, I for some reason, Joe's the only one who doesn't get it. All right, so we're going to head into this rapid-fire segment. I'm going to hit on four games really quickly, and then we'll get out of here for the night. So the Celtics beat the Hawks 126-101. to Grant Williams was balling. He had a nasty step-back three on the left wing. Um, he, he, you know, it's funny cause he kind of bet on himself this summer, hoping to get a bigger deal and with how well he shot the ball, how well he's defended and some of the higher level shot making that he's shown this year. He might be one of the guys where that pays off for it's going to be the opposite of the Dennis Schroeder type of situation. Uh, how about Luke Cornett, 15 points and eight rebounds with four blocks, uh, with the Rob Williams injury, they desperately needed somebody to kind of pick things up for them as a bench big And he's done a really nice job. He's also got a knack for these, like, reverse dunks, which is uh, sneaky, one of my favorite ways to try to dunk because your back actually acts as, like, a battering ram and people can't actually get through you. Um, I did a whole thing on the Celtics yesterday, if you guys want to see a deeper dive. But they came into tonight 19th in defense. But I had seen plenty of examples of them hitting the switch, right? They hit the switch for a few minutes, beat the Grizzlies. Hit the switch for a few minutes, beat the Nuggets. Hit the switch for a few minutes, beat the Thunder. Right, this game was just one giant switch flipping. They had a 98 defensive rating in this game. They dominated from the start. They held the Hawks to 25 or fewer in three of the four quarters. All right, Bucks Cavs. Bucks win 113 98. The Bucks were down three starters because uh, Drew Holiday's dealing with an ankle thing. The Cavs were down Jared Allen, and then this was Donovan Mitchell's first game back from his ankle injury. So he kind of looked out of rhythm, to be honest. Um, Giannis had eight assists. Brooke Lopez made seven threes and had three blocks. He's been by far the best spacing rim protecting big in the league, uh, an archetype that doesn't have a lot of players in it. And, uh, there's a certain Mr. Victor Wembanyama who I think will very quickly become the best player who does that when he gets into the league. And then Jordan Wara finally got going. He made five threes, scored 21 points. Um, talking a little bit of Cavs, you know, I, I'm not overly concerned about this specific game because you're going to need Jared Allen, to pack the paint to beat a a Giannis-led team. And obviously you're going to need Donovan Mitchell at the top of his game, which he was not. Uh, But I went on to local radio in, in Cleveland on Monday night and I just talked a little bit about how I had some concerns about the idea of potentially playing two small guards that can't defend. Just because fundamentally throughout NBA history, we know that that's a flawed concept and that they usually will get you beat. Not just because of the defensive mistakes that they make, but also matchup attacking. And the way that that kind of, that court can just be victimized, especially by bigger teams that have lots of wings that can punish you, teams like the Celtics, right? And I, I all I said to the guys on the on the on the radio there was like wait till the deadline, but we've seen lots of examples of how the Garland thing isn't quite working alongside Donovan Mitchell. Give him, you know, a few more months to try to figure it out. But don't be prideful about it. Like you've got a ton of talent here. Donovan Mitchell's been one of the best five or six players in the league to start the season. Evan Mobley and Jared Allen make this incredible defensive front court. You need another wing, really, right? Karis Lavert's playing pretty damn well. Maybe, maybe it's it'd be worthwhile to send a Darius Garland to a uh, someone like Toronto in exchange for like an OG and Ananobi. And the guys on the local radio were like, "We don't even want to consider that until we see them in the playoffs." And you know what came to my mind there is like, I get it. I do. He's homegrown. He's super likable. The fans love him. He is super talented but you've got to learn from nba history a little bit like i mean when you when you don't, when you have two undersized guards that can't defend in your backcourt it's damn near impossible to win in the playoffs against the best teams that's just a fact it's like trying to win in the nfl when you have two bad tackles like we all saw what happened to patrick mahomes two super bowls ago when he couldn't when they couldn't block for him right it's just a it's like a trenches thing with football that makes it You know, impractical. Same thing goes with basketball. Like, it's a trenches thing in basketball. Physically, you're just going to have way too many problems that you can't fix personnel-wise when you have two small guards that can't defend on the floor. Again, you give them to the deadline. You try to get Darius Garland to maybe front the post a little bit. You work on Donovan Mitchell's off-ball defense. You put a scheme in place, like pre-switching and bracketing in the post and things like that to try to cover for them but don't be prideful about it. If it's not going to work, it's not going to work. If, if if February comes and they're still having issues with two small defensive guards, they, they need to consider moving that, uh, moving, uh, moving on from Darius. Speaking of OG Ananobi, the Raptors beat the heat 112 to 104. OG had 32 and 10 and closed this game by just abusing Gabe Vincent, driving to the basket, drawing doubles in the post, things along those lines. The Raptors also did a really great job on Jimmy Butler in this game, holding him, to just eight shot attempts good win for the Raptors and last but not least the Thunder beat the Wizards 121 to 120 Brad Beal hit a really nice uh step back jump shot on Lou Dort in the in the short corner on the right side with about seven seconds left pushed him off Lou Dort kind of fell over and Brad just r- rose up and knocked it down and as I was watching it live I was I was sitting there thinking like hmm, I wonder if SGA is crazy enough to go for the kill here because the the Wizards were up by two and he was, I uh, started on Bradley Beal and got switched onto Monty Morris and, and took a really nice step back three and won the game. And he's been shooting like 47% on like 10 pull up jump shots per game. So, you know, it, that's a shot that, that that's not a fluke. That's something he's been knocking down all season. He had 42, six, and seven on only 21 shots. I love it when I go out of my way to talk about something. And then, then somebody goes out and makes me look right. Because I'm wrong plenty. And it, it's it's good for my confidence when I occasionally hit the bell on something. I spent about 10 minutes talking about how I thought SGA was a top 10 player in the world yesterday. Talked about all the things that he does well defensively. Getting to the rim, pull up, jump shooting, catch and shoot, jump shooting. you know, Passing the basketball, the change of pace, the shiftiness, the the start and stop, the, the, the ability to play the old man game. But also hit the Jets and make freak athletic plays. He is one of my favorite young players in the league. And I got roasted last night for saying that I thought he was better than John Morant on Twitter and Grizzlies fans got on me uh, to a great extent, but man, like uh, that was just that, that might've been the best game that SGA ever played. And if you have not checked out the thunder yet this year, I highly recommend that you do. Um, they're, they're a really fun watch. They space the floor really well because their bigs can shoot. And, um, and they've got a lot of young, interesting wings and, guys that can defend and just wait till Chet Holmgren gets in there and maybe they get one more draft pick as well. But SGA, you know, one last note on the SGA thing, there's a lot of stuff going around like, Oh, you know, this was the worst trade ever when the Thunder sent SGA to, or when the Clippers sent SGA to the Thunder for Paul George, that's where I draw the line because you can't operate based on information in 2022 that wasn't available in 2018. Sorry. Like that's just that's just not how it works. Uh, or I guess it was the summer of 2019, right? Like in 2019, you had to get Paul George to get Kawhi. So really, you were ch- trading SGA and all those picks for Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. Also, at the time, that overnight made them the championship favorite, right? And it didn't pan out. In the Clippers' era, has been a disaster. But if that same scenario plays out multiple times, they probably get one. Like, they've had some bad luck. They've had injury luck. They had a nightmare performance in the bubble when they lost to the Nuggets, which they had no business losing that series. Even in the three games they lost at the end, they had big leads late in each of them. Like, you make that deal every single time to try to win the title. SGA over this same span is only now really blossoming into the superstar that he is. And that's just kind of how it goes. Sometimes you send Brandon Ingram off with Kyle Kuzma or Brandon Ingram off with Josh Hart and and Lonzo Ball and you win a title like the Lakers did with the AD. And sometimes you send them off and you don't win a title. But in both cases, Brandon Ingram's a superstar and SGA's a superstar. That's just the name of the game. You got to push your chips in sometimes to win. And when you do so, sometimes you're going to send off a great prospect who might thrive somewhere else. But at the end of the day, like you, you can't win unless you do, uh, you can't win unless you play. You you uh, you have you have to push your chips in the middle um, to put a roster together that's capable of winning an NBA title. All right, guys, that is all I have for tonight. Here's the game plan for the rest of the week. Tomorrow, we're going to do our uh, biweekly power rankings. So we'll be diving into the ten best teams in the league as of right now. And then Friday, we'll do one last film breakdown before we get into the weekend, and then we'll be done until Monday. As always, I sincerely appreciate your support, and I will see you guys tomorrow. I'm Diosa and I'm Mala. We're the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novela, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen.